0: So, this is Alison, welcoming you to the 2371st edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline 11th of January 2024. The readers this week are Sally, Mel, Jean, John and Alison, with Hass on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka. Composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch and Love Your Doorstop Enfield, and are their copyright. For the week beginning 15th of January, the sunrise time is 07:57 and the sunset time is 16:21. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking Newspaper, please phone Diane De Jersey on 078998 Five four five eight two. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now John will read the lead story.
1: And my question is, why is walking good for you? Many underestimate the power impact walking has on physical and mental health. No matter the distance, a walk can do wonders. And here at the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre, have top six reasons why you could get up and get outside. When your feet wander, your mind wanders. The endorphins released will will leave you in a great mood and researchers found that highly active people tend to have lower stress rates than less active individuals. So if you're used to jumping into a car or getting on public transport, opt to walk for a change. So it gives you a chance to explore your local area and find things that you haven't noticed before. Walking is an aerobic exercise full of repetitive and rhythmic movements which get your heart, lungs, blood vessels and muscles working lower than the risk, lowering the risk of heart problems. We're not talking about weight loss. No matter what your pace, walking helps burn calories tones and strengthens your muscles which all leads to a healthy and happy body. Walking can also improve your sleep by releasing any tensions you may have, encouraging a restful night resulting in less groggy mornings. One one of two other ideas that we might have. Instead of using the lift, go up the stairs. If you're used to being on a bus, Get off one stop earlier. Park slightly further away from your destination and just walk the last bit. And walking up and down every aisle in the supermarket can also help. And go on a five-minute walk during your lunch hour.
2: And this is Jean and I'm reading from the Enfield Dispatch and a review of the Chicken Shed Theatre by James Cracknell. Chicken Ched has always been popular across Enfield and Barnet, but last year the theatre group achieved wider national fame thanks to an emotional run to the semifinals of Britain's Got Talent, when even Simon Cowell gave them a standing ovation. In her program notes for The Tourmaker's Child, managing director Louise Perry reflects on the impact television stardom has had when she writes... We weren't expecting this magnitude of love. It was as if the door we had been pushing against force for so many years was suddenly opened, and the room we felled into was filled with hundreds of balloons with our name on them. It felt amazing, beautifully overwhelming, and convinced us even more that this needs to spread to show the world what it can be. Understandably, there has been a surge of interest in Chicken Shed's show since last April with tickets selling fast and perhaps putting a little bit more pressure on the theater's young performers to live up to the height. I never doubted they would. I've been watching the annual Christmas shows since 2016 and I've yet to see a performance I could describe as anything less than fantastic. The Toymaker's Maker's Child is certainly no exception. Much like last year when Jack took the old-fashioned story of a giant killer, placed it into a modern world of video game baddies and bosses, the toy maker's child transforms a wooden carpenter's toy, Pinocchio, into an AI robot that spends the show trying to work out if it might be something more than just a lump of metal with a computer chip. It's a great concept and one that is perfectly timed given the recent transformation transformational arrival of Chat GBT GPT and the debates about the influence of technology it has sparked. Hmm. While there might be met where they <clears throat> I beg your pardon, while there might not be any definitive <laughs> answers about the future of AI to be found here, the journey of Pinocchio is still a thought-provoking one. Most importantly, it's a fun one as the robot toy and her owner her owner Kathy venture into mysterious surroundings such as the trap laden funfare, the unschool where stupidity is rewarded, and the not so leisurely leisure island. Is it leisure or leisure? Leisure. 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 The big set pieces, sometimes featuring as many as 200 actors, singers, and dancers on the stage at once, are interspersed with regular reports from a news desk above the stage, where two hapless anchors do their best to get the scoop of what Pinocchio is up to. At one point, this theme is extended to one of the songs in which, to my surprise, copies of Enfield Dispatch were even used as a prop. Everything from the music to the set design is perfectly matched to the mood of the story, helping bring each character to life. With four rotating casts, there are 800 performers involved in this production in total, including, as usual, many children with special educational needs and physical disabilities. Seeing how much joy they get from performing on stage is always a delight
3: praise for local contributions made by two new year's honours recipients two local people included in the new year's honours have been praised for their contribution to the Enfield community susan francis who works for enfield council as a principal educational psychologist and strategic lead for children and young people's emotional well-being and mental health was made a member of the british empire mbe for services to children with special education needs and disabilities, while Goodison Williams, a volunteer, was awarded the British Empire Medal for services to the community in Enfield during COVID-19. Abdul Abdullahi, Enfield Council's Cabinet Member for Children's Services, has paid tribute to Susan, better known to her colleagues as Susie. He said, We would like to congratulate Susie for her many years of service to the people of Enfield. Susie has worked with the Enfield Educational Psychology Service for 23 years and has been in contact with hundreds of children and young people and their families in the borough and beyond, making a real difference to their development and emotional well-being. We thank Susie for her contribution to public service, her professionalism and her passion for working with children and young people in our borough. Goodison became a volunteer at the Felix Project in Enfield when he was unemployed, which later helped him secure a full-time job. But when COVID-19 hit, Goodison was able to deliver food parcels directly to vulnerable people's homes. Goodison is also a long-time member of Gospel Temple Apostolic Church in Pondersend, which does a lot of work in the community. And it was Pastor Jason Young who put him forward for the British Empire Medal. It was unexpected but wonderful, Goodison told the dispatch on finding out about the honour. Jason put my name forward and I am very grateful. It is nice to be recognised. With Gospel Temple, Goodison organised a youth retreat in Suffolk for deprived local children, made possible thanks to his own fundraising efforts. Jason said, with the help of volunteers from within the community, he delivered a fundraising dinner that successfully raised all the finances that he needed to send local children to the Youth Congress in Ipswich. When the children returned, they said that the retreat gave them confidence in themselves and the desire to want to take up drama classes to improve their self-esteem. Through his work with the Felix Project between 2017 and 2018, Goodison collected over a tonne of surplus food from supermarkets that would otherwise have been thrown away to redistribute those to those in need. He also led fundraising campaigns at Asda Edmonton Green and participated in Christmas Carol singing events at Sainsbury's Enfield, Morrison's Enfield and Tesco Ponder's End. Using his own experience of being unemployed, between 2016 and 2019, Goodison reached out to other unemployed people to help shape their future and get back into work. He now leads a ministry providing support to men in the community. Jason added, to think that an ordinary person who lives in a relative obscurity could be chosen for a British Empire medal has left us all gobsmacked.
4: Uh, this is an article from the independent newspaper. Uh, mayoral candidate will abolish ULES, LTNs and congestion charge. An independent London mayoral candidate has pledged to abolish low-traffic neighbourhoods, the congestion charge and the entire ultra-low emission zone, ULES. Andreas Mitchley, a gym owner from Haringey, said London's air is the cleanest it has ever been, but that the ULES had not been a contributing factor in that. Asked what has caused improvements in London's air quality in recent years, he told the Local Democracy Reporting Service, LDRS, I'm not an expert in that, but this is what the stats and data are telling us. The ULES has had such a minimal effect, it can't even be correlated to improved air quality. Pressed on whether he was able to account for London's reduced air pollution, he insisted, well, it certainly is not ULES. He later suggested that advances in technology may have played some role. A recent analysis using Transport for London TfL data found that ULEZ has averted more air pollution than is produced by the capital's airports or its river and rail transport combined. He added, You cannot impose policies on people, and that is what has been done with ULEZ. It's been imposed without proper consultation. The candidate has said he was inspired to run for mayor after being radicalised by lockdown. He was fined for attempting to keep his wood-green gym open during lockdown, but this was overturned in court. Mr Mitchley told the LDRS, it was basically the way the government acted in a tyrannical fashion, telling people what they can and can't do, imposing legislation on us, and that's why I'm running for mayor. The candidate has put health at the centre of his campaign, pledging to provide free gym memberships for Londoners, which would be paid for by City Hall. Mr Mitchley has promised to abolish net zero targets. He said net zero targets aren't benefiting Londoners in any way, as far as I can see. They are costing businesses, they are costing people... They're making things more difficult. They're making the traffic worse in a lot of places. It's a negative road we're going down here.
0: The next article is taken from the Enfield Dispatch with the headline Cuts to library service feared as council issues latest warning over finances. Fears have been sparked that Enfield Council is considering cuts to its library service as it attempts to close a £39 million hole in its finances. The council is set to launch a consultation this month as it draws up a new library services strategy. However, the leader of the opposition Conservatives has called the move a smokescreen for cuts. In its report, setting out the reasons to draw up a new library strategy, published at the end of November, the Council states that it must make savings of £39.4 million in 2024-25, and that there is a forecasted budget gap of £118.7 million for the five years through to 2028-29. Even though no specific plan to make cuts to the library service has yet been announced, the report warns, it is inevitable the savings will need to be made now and in years to come across the council in order to set a balanced budget. The report later adds, The Council is under a duty to provide a comprehensive and efficient library service. In light of the Council's funding pressures, we need to consider whether our library service can be delivered in a more efficient way, while ensuring that it continues to meet people's needs and is comprehensive. In response, Tory group leader Alessandro Giorgio told the local democracy reporting service, the council, due to its reckless spending, is £1.2 billion in debt. This consultation on the library service is nothing but a smokescreen. Library cuts come as a direct result of the financial mismanagement of Enfield Borough. At present, Enfield Council directly runs 16 libraries across the borough. Another public library is operated by Raynham Primary School. Enfield's total of 17 libraries is said to be the highest of any London borough. The council has been asked to clarify what it is now planning for its library service. A spokesman said, we provide a comprehensive library service for people who live, work, or study in Enfield. And this includes books, access to digital resources, quiet spaces for study and reflection, access to support groups and social activities for all ages, health and well-being support, maker spaces, training and employment advice. Off Phase one engagement is to find out more about how people are currently using our libraries, their experience of them, and how we could deliver our library service more efficiently. We will use the feedback and ideas we get through this engagement to help us develop a draft proposal for a new library strategy for Enfield and consult on this in summer 2024. The engagement is expected to launch in December 2023 and will last for 12 weeks.
1: Superloop buses arrive in Enfield. The Superloop Superloop Express bus service has been launched in Enfield. Transport for London launched the SL1 bus route between North Finchley and Walthamstow via New Southgate, Arnos Grove, Palmer's Green, and Edmonton. On Saturday, the 9th of December, it started. The Superloop concept was announced last March as ways to improve public transport connections between outer London boroughs providing express buses that only stop at limited places to make them fast and much more easy to go with. Together with the routes reforms around the capital the SL1 gives people more transport options to move between key locations such as transport hubs and town centres in Barnet Enfield, Waltham Cross and surrounding boroughs, including New Southgate, Arnos Grove and Silver Street stations. However, the route has also been criticised for not providing a direct link to North Middlesex Hospital in Edmonton, despite the local pleas from the local people. Stops at Palmer's Green and the Meridian Water development were added following public consultation in the summer. The new TfL data shows that the customers are already taking advantage of the Superloop network. The data so far shows demand on all Superloop routes has increased above the network average. The full loop of the Superloop, (laughs) not easy to say, will be completed by the spring and the mayor said it's fantastic to see the superloop already encouraging more people onto the london bus network and providing a real game changer
2: i'm reading a letter to the editor from the en- in the enfield dispatch entitled temporary banking fix While I think it's a good idea to provide banking hubs run by the post office in areas where banks have closed down their branches over the past few years, I think the services offered may be too limited and, despite good intentions, are only going to provide a temporary fix. Major high street banks offer services online but there are some issues that can only be dealt with in person and require specialist knowledge. When my mother passed away in 2017, her flat was sold to release funds related to my late grandmother's estate so that I could distribute the money to my family, as stipulated in her will. This had resulted from the flat being put in trust— but in the time but by the time my mother passed away the other trustees were no longer alive which left myself and my cousin to deal with the situation the trust had been assigned to us by a solicitor several years previously documents had to be signed in person by two trustees and we had to show our passports and other id as proof of identity Several weeks later, we eventually got the letters countersigned in the bank branch after they had liaised directly with the bereavement department. We also received compensation for wasted time, numerous visits, and taking time off work. Another common issue is getting approval for power of attorney, particularly in cases involving people with dementia. I don't see any mention of this banking hub providing anything other than basic services. In my opinion, it is no substitute for a full branch service with experienced staff. Signed by Neil Littman Winchmore-Hill.
3: And now an article from the Enfield Dispatch titled Universal Free Primary School Meals to Continue Across London for Second Year. Universal free school meals for primary schools in London will be extended for a second year, but Mayor Sadiq Khan has warned it's still not a permanent commitment. Khan has repeatedly said it is his aspiration for the policy to be kept in place indefinitely, but that he cannot make such a guarantee under City Hall's current funding arrangements. In an interview with the local democracy reporting service, Khan said the policy was not yet a permanent fixture because of a lack of dedicated funding for it each year. Conservative mayoral candidate Susan Hall has said she would keep the policy going until the cost of living situation improves. Speaking at Torridon Primary School in Lewisham, the Labour mayor said he had been candid with Londoners about how we're going to pay for things. He said City Hall had been able to find £135 million to pay for the policy last year because of the way we'd been prudent with our budget. The money for the first year of the scheme came from higher-than-expected business rate receipts. He added, we're setting our budget for this year, and it's the case that with a combination of business rates being more buoyant than we expected, But also, by using some reserves, we've managed to find £140 million to pay for these universal free school meals to be extended by another year, up until July 2025. But frankly speaking, it shouldn't be us having to pay for universal free school meals, it should be the government. Free school meals across England were already being provided by the government for all primary school children up to the end of year two. After that point, the government only provides meals to pupils if they live in households on universal credit and earning less than £7,400 a year. The government has previously defended its record on free school meals, with a spokesperson saying in September that ministers have extended eligibility several times to more groups of children than any other government over the past half a century. Asked whether the policy would continue to have an uncertain future when City Hall sets its budget each year, the Mayor said, one of the problems we have is there are some sources of income that are recurring and there are some that are one-off. We've also got the additional problem of keeping an eye on reserves for obvious reasons. We know from the government they'll be changing very soon the local government funding formula. We know there's going to be a review shortly of business rates retention rules. So what I can't do is commit to things in perpetuity when I've not got a recurring source of income. So I'm afraid the bad news is that I can't say to Londoners I'll be providing universal free school meals in perpetuity. What I can do is continue to be candid and straight with Londoners and say I found the money for 2024-2025. The mayor said City Hall had continued to listen and engage with schools and boroughs and had decided to increase the amount allocated to each individual meal from £2.65 to £3. Asked whether he will be making any other big announcements ahead of seeking re election for an historic third term at City Hall on the 2nd of May, Khan said, Nice try. Wait for the manifesto in relation to what we're going to be offering in the third term. I hope Londoners will know from my track record, when I've got the means to do so, I do things like freezing fares. I do things like prior prioritising universal free school meals. He added that he wanted to make London safer, more prosperous, more affordable and fairer as well. The Mayor has faced questions this week after he, on Sunday, unexpectedly found £30 million of City Hall funding to boost the annual pay rise for 16000 tube staff. It led the RMT union to suspend strike action that would have shut the London Underground until Friday. Khan declined to say where that funding had come from, insisting, however, that this would become clear when he publishes his draft budget for the coming financial year next week. The consequences of a strike are awful for our city, the mayor said. According to just the hospitality sector, they would have lost £50 this week. So if we can avoid strike action, we should try and do so. Asked whether he was worried that he had encouraged trade unions to take tougher action in future in the expectation of similar amounts of money suddenly being produced, Khan said, I'm incredibly grateful to our transport workers for the work they did in particular during the pandemic. I'm proud that before the pandemic we reduced by more than 70% three percent strikes in london by talking i'm a proud trade unionist it's really important we recognize the contribution they make tfl will be speaking to all the trade unions i get on really well with all the trade unions i get on really well with our transport workers but i also listen to hospitality i listen to retail i listen to those who have appointments at hospitals i listen to those who go to university and the impact of them on the strikes would have been awful So let's hope we can resolve things amicably. Reacting to the Universal Free School Meals announcement, Joanne McCartney, London Assembly Member for Enfield and Haringey, said, I am delighted that the Mayor has been able to commit further funding to City Hall's groundbreaking Universal Free School Meals policy. This £140 million investment means that families across London will save up to £1,000 per child over two years. With the brutal effects of the cost-of-living crisis, I am so pleased that City Hall is stepping up to feed 12,202 children in Enfield. I have long campaigned on the issue of child poverty and this important programme will support many young people across our city. whose families are struggling financially. Hungry children cannot learn. The evidence is clear that a nutritious school lunch will mean that they can concentrate in school and reach their potential. I am thrilled that this genuinely life-changing policy will continue and that London's children and families get the support they need.
4: This is a report on abandoned vehicles in Enfield by Grace Howarth, the local democracy reporter for the Enfield Dispatch. Enfield has the second highest number of abandoned vehicles in London, according to the latest data. The borough recorded 1,998 abandoned vehicle sightings between September 2022 and September 2023, behind only Bromley, which had 2,239. Hillingdon was third with 1,914 reports. Ealing had 1,629 and Sutton 1,570. The data were collected using the Freedom of Information Act by Scrap Car Comparison, a company that compares unwanted car prices. It requested the number of abandoned vehicle reports collected by each local council. The total number of abandoned vehicles across the capital came to 29,570, averaging 2,000 reports per month. Enfield Council's website instructs residents to report an abandoned vehicle if it is believed to have no owner, is untaxed or is damaged, which includes flat tyres, wheels removed or missing number plates. The website states the Council will investigate reports and remove a vehicle if it is thought to be abandoned or if the road tax has expired for more than two months.
0: Our next article is an account of an interview by James Cracknell of Enfield's last D-Day veteran, featured in the Enfield Dispatch. Nearly 80 years on from the Normandy landings in June 1944 that marked the beginning of the end of the Second World War, only a tiny handful of British veterans, thought to be fewer than 20, survive. And one of them resides in an Enfield care home. Donald Hawkins moved to Elsing House in Forty Hill last year at the age of a hundred and two, having previously been living at his home in Winchmore Hill, where he had resided since being relieved of duty in nineteen forty six as one of a dwindling number of d-day veterans still able to talk about the events of nineteen forty four Donald has become more open about recounting his memories and last month shared his story with the dispatch. It was a big boat we went over the channel in and we didn't disembark for two days, he says. For the landings, I was a dispatch motorbike rider taking messages from one unit to another. Donald and his unit part of the 90th Middlesex Regiment of the Royal Artillery, had previously gathered at a camp near Weybridge in May 1944 to undergo training, including how to waterproof their guns, before transferring to London docks, where they set sail on the 6th of June, along with thousands of others. It was only then they were told where they were going. When we got the order to disembark, we climbed down the netting into the landing barges, says Donald, and that was very frightening. The Normandy landings were the largest seaborne invasion in history, with nearly 5,000 landing and assault craft and 160,000 troops crossing the English Channel on D-Day. In total, 875,000 arrived by the end of June. Donald remembers getting to Normandy, Gold Beach, one of the five landing sites, but not what happened afterwards, possibly because of the trauma from what he witnessed. On the first day alone, more than 10,000 Allied troops were either killed or wounded. He says, The next thing I remember was getting to Aromarche, a coastal settlement, and seeing all the dead cows, they were killed by the shelling. Donald undertook his duties carrying messages between units as the Allied effort to connect up its landing forces continued. He later arrived in Tilly-sur-Sales, ten miles south of Aramanche, where he engaged in combat for the first time as a gunner. At that point, Bayeux the nearest big town had been recaptured without any shots being fired so our first action was in a place called Tilly. Tragically Donald witnessed the total destruction of the town and lost friends from his unit while others were wounded and sent home. The Normandy campaign lasted until the end of August 1944 Troops moved from one town to the next, gradually liberating the French people from Nazi occupation. Some of the civilians Donald met stayed in touch with him for many years. I met some lovely French people out there, he says. They appreciated what we did. I made friends who later came back to visit me. In total... 22,442 soldiers from 30 different countries died while serving in British units during the Normandy campaign. Donald would go back to visit every year on Remembrance Day until travel was disrupted during the pandemic and ill health. He's now in a wheelchair, made the journey difficult. In 2022, however, Donald was able to attend the launch event for the British Normandy Memorial near the village of Versoumère, which has since become the focal point of commemorations. Donald is even a trustee of the memorial. He says, I used to enjoy going to Normandy every year. We always stayed in the same hotel. In Carbourg, a seaside town, they really done me proud and gave me the freedom of the city. They had a special party for me. Donald also received the highest award possible in France, the Legion d'Honneur, on the 70th anniversary of D-Day. After Normandy, the liberation of the rest of Europe continued for several more months. Donald's unit moved through Belgium and the Netherlands, but it was here in December that he was injured after being hit in the leg by a piece of shrapnel. Shortly before departing London, he married wife Dorothy, and while Donald was still in hospital in the Netherlands, their son Michael was born. Donald spent a couple of weeks recovering from his injuries, although to this day he still has that piece of shrapnel in his leg. Returning to action in early 1945, Donald rejoined his regiment as they prepared to enter Germany. On the 8th of May, He was in Munster, guarding a prisoner of war camp. I remember it well. We were all drinking tea and suddenly we were told the war was over, says Donald. We felt relief that it was over, but you have to remember, I was only 23 years old. You don't take things too seriously at that age. Donald continued serving with the army until 1946. After we came back, We had remembrance dinners with the regiment every year. But of course every year it got smaller and smaller and then there was no one left. I think about them every year. It was quite a big regiment, about 800 men. But even during the war I had more good times than bad times. Remarkably, Donald had four brothers who served in the war and all survived. Two were evacuated at Dunkirk, another was in the RAF, and a fourth worked with British intelligence. Donald grew up in Buckingham, but it was in Winchmore Hill where he and Dorothy lived after the war and had their family. Eldest son Michael now lives in Suffolk, second son Alan lives in the United States, while daughter Susan still lives locally in Southgate. Donald also has three grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. It was also in North London that Donald's career in the butchery business took off. Before the war, he had been a butcher's apprentice, and after returning, Donald worked his way up to become the managing director of a company that boasted shops all over London. After being in the army for seven years, I had to work hard to gain the experience I needed, he says. Among its 14 locations, Buckingham and Partners had shops in Winchmore Hill, Palmer's Green, and Edmonton prior to its closure in 1992 when Donald decided to retire. Reflecting on his grandfather's incredible life, grandson Gary said, The nicest thing is, he is very open about it. I get very emotional when I talk about him. He is my hero. An amazing man.
1: A doctor receives an award in the New Year's Year's Honours list. The Chief Medical Officer of the London Ambulance Service has been made an MBE in the King's New Year's Honours list. Dr Fenella Wrigley, sure nothing to do with the chewing gum, has received an honour as a recognition of her dedication to healthcare and significant contributions to the NHS. This acknowledgement follows a a career caring for Londoners since 1996. Beginning with her graduation from St George's University Medical School, her career includes specialist training in emergency medicine, a stint with London Air Ambulance, and a position as an A&E consultant in 2006. She first joined the London Ambulance Service in 2008, as an assistant medical director before rising to the chief medical officer in 2016 and more recently, deputy chief executive. Dr. Wrigley remains a regular consultant at the Royal London Hospital's emergency department, part of Barthes National Health Trust. She said, I am truly honoured and humbled to have the award for the services to the NHS. But with every achievement of success in the NHS, this has only been made possible with the team I work with. I'm very proud to be a doctor, and I know that with the teamwork, we can provide fantastic care to people when they need us most. The London Ambulance Chief Executive, Daniel Elker, said, "I am thrilled that Fenella has been named for this as a recipient." of this prestigious award. She is absolutely committed to health and well-being of our patients and is steadfast in her support to all our staff and continued development.
2: And this is from Enfield Dispatch again, from Meridian Water, Award for Council-Led Scheme. Enfield's flagship Meridian Water Redevelopment in Enfield, Edmonton has been named Best Local Authority Initiative as part of a nation, national awards scheme. Not-for-profit group REVO, which says it supports the interests and values of the retail, leisure, pace, placemaking, real estate community, picked Meridian Water for its award category presented to schemes led by local councils. The award reflects recently completed milestones, including the completion of the first council homes on the site three months ago and the opening of Enfield Construction Skills Academy and the creation of a temporary community garden. Council leader Nessel Kaliskan said, we are thrilled to see Meridian Water receive another award for Enfield Council's innovative approach to public sector regeneration schemes. 2023 has been a big year for the project, with several major milestones achieved. Meridian Water is rapidly picking up pace and becoming an example to other councils on how regeneration can
3: benefit everyone. Khan claims London is suffering from cost of Brexit crisis. Sadiq Khan has warned of a cost of of Brexit crisis after City Hall claimed that the average Londoner was £3,400 worse off last year because of the UK's departure from the European Union. In a speech to the London government dinner at Mansion House tonight, Thursday 11th of January, the mayor will call for a new settlement with the EU to turbocharge our economy and help raise living standards. Research commissioned by City Hall and conducted by Cambridge Econometrics has found that in 2023, the capital's gross value added, GVA, was £30 billion lower as a result of leaving the EU. Across the UK, the figure was estimated at £140 billion. City Hall said this suggested the average Londoner was £3,400 worse off last year due to Brexit, compared with the average Britain being £2,000 worse off. In his speech, Khan will say, It's now obvious that Brexit isn't working. The hardline version of Brexit we've ended up with is dragging our economy down and pushing up the cost of living. It's making food more expensive, adding to the acute pressures on households and having an ongoing detrimental impact on industries that are crucial to our success, such as hospitality, construction and financial services. In addition, the report found that the UK in 2023 had 1.8 million fewer jobs compared with a projected scenario in which Brexit did not happen. Within that figure, 290,000 jobs were in London. The research separately concluded, however, that Brexit will further widen the productivity gap between London and the rest of the UK over the next decade due to a larger projected slowdown in GVA growth in the rest of the UK relative to London. Khan says that Brexit is not a peripheral concern that we can leave in the past adding that he agrees with Shadow Foreign Secretary David Lammy on the need to build a closer relationship with the EU. A government spokesman told The Guardian newspaper three weeks ago that the UK economy has grown faster than Germany, France and many European countries since the departure from the EU. We acknowledge there remain some issues and we are listening to businesses and acting on their concerns by working closely with the EU on solutions, they said. In December, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt signed a financial services deal with Switzerland, with the Treasury saying the agreement was only possible due to new freedoms granted to the UK following Brexit. But Khan warns that London continues to be badly affected by severe worker shortages And requires an approach to immigration guided by facts, not fear mongering. He made similar remarks at last year's London government dinner. The mayor will also say that small minded politics threatens the capital's precious values and what makes London so special. In a passage about the rise of populism, he adds more and more we see the politics of us versus them seeping into our national discourse and into the politics of the US and countries across Europe. We cannot allow it to take hold here in London. The last line appears to be a reference to Susan Hall, Kahn's Conservative opponent in May's London mayoral election. At the start of the year, Kahn claimed she was part of the extreme right, likening her to Donald Trump and the Dutch politician Geert Wilders, and calling her someone who has repeatedly promoted divisive and racist content on social media while attacking women and the black community. A spokesman for Hall said in response to those remarks, Susan won't take lectures on misogyny from Sadiq Khan, nor will Londoners be fooled by these desperate smear tactics after eight years of failure under his mayoral team. Londoners deserve so much better in 2024, with less crime and an end to his unfair ULEZ expansion, and Susan is determined to deliver it.
4: Uh, thousands rally to support Palmer's Green Pub threatened with losing licence, a report in the dispatch. Almost 2,000 people have signed a p- in support of a Palmer's Green pub that could lose its licence following local noise complaints. The Fox in Green Lanes, which reopened in February last year after a major refurbishment, has paused all its live music events after being threatened with losing its premises licence by Enfield Council. Several residents living in the newly built block of flats adjoining the pub have complained to the council over noise levels from the pub, prompting a review of its licence. The dispatch understands that an upcoming sub-licence committee hearing, on a date to be confirmed, will now decide whether the Fox can keep its premises licence. Pub manager James Sharkey said, The Fox is not just an ordinary pub. It is an integral part of our cultural fabric that brings together people from all walks of life through its music events. Stripping away its music licence will not only diminish our rich cultural heritage but will also lead to economic disadvantages for Palmer's Green. The Fox has been hosting regular live music nights as well as various other entertainment for the last year. Among the acts to play there have been rock act Red Riff. The cover band's drummer Neil Littman, told the Dispatch, I have been playing in various bands for over 40 years and think live music is important to the local community and it brings people together and encourages other musicians to aspire to playing in front of an audience. Following our debut at the Fox, we were offered two further gigs. I think it is, this is a shame, as in times of economic hardship, it is important for venues like the Fox to demonstrate they are a community asset and demonstrate their value to the area. The dispatch has seen a copy of the application to review the Fox's premises licence, which states... The prevention of public nuisance licensing objective has been undermined. A statutory nuisance abatement notice has been served and subsequently breached. This is in relation to the considerable number of noise complaints received from local residents who are being disturbed by live and recorded music from the Fox. The complaints detailed on the application state that residents are being kept awake on Friday and Saturday nights because of music from the pub and that they could even hear the hand dryers in the toilets. On one occasion last September, lyrics to Sweet Caroline could be heard very clearly and was evident that the audience was singing along. Following an inspection from a noise officer, they observed that it appeared that there was no or very little sound insulation between the pub and flats. The dispatch asked the developer of the one Fox Lane residential scheme, Dominus, to clarify whether soundproofing had been installed when the development was built in 2022. A spokesperson said the one Fox Lane flats were constructed with acoustic insulation, fully compliant with performance standards and building regulations. Nevertheless, we empathise with the concerns raised by the community on both sides. We have been actively engaging in dialogue and taking actions with stakeholders to explore additional measures that could further alleviate this issue, for instance, adjusting the positioning of the Fox Pub sound system, all with the aim of fostering a harmonious coexistence between vibrant cultural spaces like the Fox and the tranquillity of residential living. Enfield Council did not respond to a request for comment. Residents who wish to comment on the FOX's premises licence review can do so before the 15th of January by providing their address and emailing licensing at enfield.gov.uk. The petition in support of the FOX is also available via change.org. Sorry.
0: Well, we have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Sally, Mel, Jean, John, Alison and Hass on the controls, it's... Bye! Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal pocket, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast... By searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favorite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. And don't forget, you can call Diane De Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899854 582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.